Hi, my name's Aviva Kepner. I'm a documentary filmmaker for the past 40 years, and I live in Washington, D.C. Uh, my name's Kevin Blackstone. I'm a longtime sports columnist now at the uh, Washington Post, and I am the, uh, uh, one of the co-producers on the film Imagining the Indian. I pity the country, I pity the state, and the mind of a man who thrives on hate. I went to public school through ninth grade, and I never learned a single thing that made me proud of my ancestors. There were times where I was ashamed of my skin color because I thought that we were just lower class and that's what I was taught. We are here today to protest the Washington NFL use of the R word. It's just a football team. It's a slur. It's a racial, derogatory, disparaging slur. The original sin occurred the minute Europe touched native shores in North America and South America. There was a bounty paid on the scalps of men, women, and children. In the 100 years that followed the arrival of Europeans, the population was reduced by over 90%. This legacy of genocide and the attitudes that sit behind it are in every Native person's mind as he or she, even in the 21st century, looks at the name of sports teams and the denigration that is often reflected mascots associated with it. When you think of a brave or a warrior, do you think of somebody who is the director of a museum? Do you think of somebody who runs a tribe that runs multi-million dollar industries? Of course you don't. The images that we do have are these fictionalized, stereotyped characters. It dehumanizes human beings. Mascots, stereotypes of Native people, lower the self-esteem of Native youth. It's as much of a slur as it would be to call the team the Darkies. Now, how many Americans would allow that to stand? For me as a black person, if we don't want to be called niggas, then I can't be talking about no Redskins. And then the hypocrisy of being in the nation's capital, Chocolate City, a city that's majority black, for us to root on a team called the Redskins, it's very deep psychologically. There has been a great deal of success in our movement to end these offensive images in sports. Across the country, you've seen high schools and colleges and other groups change the name. It's just an NFL is a problem organization. You know, this country doesn't really do anything voluntarily in terms of granting human rights. It comes through movements, and movements educate people. I'm really hopeful with the Gen Zs. I think the Gen Zs are a generation that have grown up with a lot of social change. They're very open to social change. We may be your doctor, your lawyer, your professor. When they're running the country in 20, 30 years, the Parkland generation and those like them, they are not going to allow these kinds of things to continue because they're American, they're a different, open-minded country. And there's just no room in that picture. We need the truthful history told about the strength and resilience of the people that exist and that are still here, both non-native and native. That is the trailer for the upcoming documentary, Imagining the Indian, 
and this is Factual America. Factual America is produced by Alamo Pictures, a production company specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for an international audience. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood, and every week we look at America through the lens of documentary filmmaking by interviewing filmmakers and experts on the American experience. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures to be the first to hear about new productions, to find out where you can see our films, and to connect with our team. America is famous for its sports franchises and rabid fans at both the pro and collegiate levels. That passion is one of America's most compelling attributes. However, there is one group of Americans for whom sports are a painful memory. On a daily basis, they are reminded of their people's tragic history. These are the original Americans, the Native Americans. Some people are trying to put an end to the last vestiges of racial stereotyping and denigration in U.S. sports. Aviva Kempner is the award-winning director of successful docs like The Life and Times of Hank Greenberg and You Who, Mrs. Goldberg. Kevin Blackestone is an award-winning national sports columnist. Together they are working to bring Imagining the Indian to the screen. We caught up recently with Aviva and Kevin from their homes in Washington, D.C. Aviva Kempner and Kevin Blackestone, welcome to Factual America. Aviva, how are things there in Washington, D.C.? Well, we've had a little rain this past week, and luckily we have a good government in terms of, uh, uh, at least on the local level, about wearing masks. And, you know, it's, I, I work at home, so um, this is not as much of a problem. The challenge is shooting for the film, but um, we're happy. And there's a new baby in my family. I'm a grand aunt, so uh. I'm, it was, luckily we're not shooting on Monday because we would have heard a baby for 13 hours. <laughs> well, we've had children, we've had dogs make appearances, so, uh, you know, more than welcome if, uh, if the grandbaby or grandniece or nephew, what is it? Uh, nephew. Your grandnephew Actually, wants to make an appearance. Name Brady. Uh, Kevin will appreciate it because I guess that's <laughs> somewhat inspired by a football name. Is that right? Well, this is. I think we're going to have a sports-heavy program. Uh, Kevin, uh, yeah. you're in Washington. Well, you're in Silver Spring, to be precise, I believe. How are right. things with you? Everything's fine. Uh, unfortunately, making the adjustment to this uh, pandemic uh, atmosphere, um, which means a lot of time around home, yeah. a lot of time on Zoom, um, and uh, a lot of wishful thinking that uh, that we'll make the adjustment to this uh, sooner rather than later and get yeah. back to something something close to normal. Okay. Well, we can talk about how we're all dealing with this and how this is affecting your project. Uh, but uh, just to remind our uh, listeners, uh, we're, we're talking about the film or the upcoming uh, documentary, Imagining the Indian, um, subtitled The Fight Against Native American Mascotting. So I just want to thank you again for coming onto the podcast. Um, I stumbled across your project while doing some uh, research a few months ago. I think it was a, maybe even an article in the Washington Post and um, saw who was behind the project. And it was just about, I mean, I was sensing even from over here, some of the rumblings against, again, about uh, the Washington football team, as it's now known, and thought, uh, told my podcast manager, we need to get you guys on sooner rather than later. Now, 
things have moved a lot more quickly than I think many of us would have thought, and we can talk about some of these issues. But um, for our listeners, uh, we're going to do things a little bit differently today. This is a film that's very much a work in progress. We're not going to have any clips. We're not going to necessarily discuss details about the film, but um, I think it's uh, it's an important time. Um, this, this is going to be released in early September or mid-September, so I think this issue is still going to be uh, rumbling along then as well. So, um, Kevin, if we can start with you, it's my understanding, what is, what is this project? And um, I gather it's your idea, it was originally your idea, and mm-hmm. why make the film, right. and why now? Well, it's, it, it percolated in my head back in 2013, 2014. <clears throat> and the reason was because there uh, was a, uh, a court challenge um, filed by Native Americans um, in what we call the Patent Trademark Office to get the name of the team canceled. Mm. And a ruling came down in their favor, and it looked at that time as if the nickname would be pushed over the, the ledge. And had that happened then, it would have been an incredible story um, over many decades of a, of a small group of people um, mm. led by one particular woman for the longest, Suzanne Schoen Harjo, mm. who was native, um, right. to get this, this nickname erased. And uh, uh, I touched base with a friend of mine who's a filmmaker by the name of Sam Bardley. And uh, he and I talked about the idea. And he liked it, and we pursued trying to put together a film about it and really didn't have the um, complete infrastructure and couldn't get the funding that we we needed. Um, And in a conversation one day with Aviva, who I'd gotten to know upon returning to D.C., um, which is where I'm from, um, she was very interested in the project. And not only that, had some experience with, working with Native American fairs beforehand, um, knew some of the, uh, some of the, the personalities involved, and embraced the idea. And here we are. Okay. So has this, has this been, as you say, it's been percolating, but as an um, actual film project, how long has this been, um, been going on? Well, I mean, we, uh, Sam and I, we formed a company back in 2014, 2015 called Shadow, Shadow City Films, which is an yeah. ode to Washington, D.C. as a shadow right. city. And uh, we produced a, uh, a trailer and we had a um, crowdfunding um, uh, page up mm-hmm. um, to, uh, to uh, raise funds. Um, so this is, this is a five-year project so far. And- and Aviva, what, what attracted you to the project? Kevin's already mentioned how he got to right. know you and pitched it to you. Oh, so Kevin came to me about a year later. And although I've been doing films for the last 40 years about underknown Jewish heroes, yeah. what Kevin didn't know is I originally came to uh, law school after first being in VISTA as an urban planner, but I really was just an activist working with Native American struggles. Mm-hmm. It was at the time a wounded knee, the early 70s. Yep. Great yep. excitement at the Kiva Club at the University of New Mexico. And someone I was very close to was Larry Casus, mm-hmm. who was a Navajo activist who sadly had died in a shootout over certain issues um, in the area. At the time, a wounded knee never gotten uh, the credit he deserves in terms of the organizing he was doing. 
I came here to law school. And while I was at law school, I worked on Native American cases, especially in the summer. And upon graduating from law school, I worked at both the National Tribal Chairman's Association and the National uh, Congress of American Indians. But then I had an epiphany to go work on my people, as I say. And as a child of a Holocaust survivor, I went to make a film about Jews fighting Nazis, my first mm -hmm. film, Partisans of Vilna. And that continued on. However, um, about, I think, eight years, no, maybe seven years ago, I met Ben West, mm. who had graduated from uh, University of Southern California Film School, and I started telling him about Larry Casus. And uh, I actually met him at a reception for the opening of the Museum of the American Indian, which his father, Rick West, uh, had created and ran. And I said, you know, Ben, this is a film that's got to be made. So then Ben and I wrote that script after I was like finishing my fourth or fifth film. I can't remember all the dates. Mm -hmm. So when uh, Kevin and Sam came to me, I said, I'll do it, but only if Ben is part of the project. And he's our co-director and co-producer. But the reason he's not here right now, in his particular neighborhood of Los Angeles, they're doing, they're digging new lines. So he couldn't be on. That's, uh, that's why he can't, yeah. So we figured rather than ha ghost him by his voice, he just said, hey, you and okay. Kevin do it. But when the film's out, we'll come back. Oh, well, so, that would be great. Um, and the other thing is, as I told you earlier, I, I hate football. As a matter of fact, the only football I ever go have gone to game is I went to the University of Michigan, which is a big, big 10 football city. Yeah. Is going to the Rose Bowl and passing out literature against the war, which you can imagine how popular that was. But I'm a big baseball fan. So the minute I hit Washington in 73, I was yeah. so upset by the name. I mean, yeah. I knew right away this is awful. Um, and, you know, it's leaders, especially sports writers like Kevin, who have been great, and Christine Brennan, we have in the film, yeah. Mike Weiss, others, who started, stopped using the name, the insulting name, and using another one. I mean, it's just amazing how this happened so fast. We're still reeling from it all. Yeah. But it has a lot to do with the sadness of, you know, an uh, uh, African-American man being murdered again in a horrible way, but the Black Lives Movement, and then spilling off, obviously, the Native Americans movement. And most of all, the economic pressure that was put on um, the owner, yeah, because he said, "Never will I change the name." Yeah, as the line says, "Never say never." Exactly. I mean, I would. We'll quickly get to the uh, the current okay. situation, but uh, I mean, Kevin, as part of this project, because you said what what inspired you was the 2013-14 era court case. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and it was it was that it was it about that time that Daniel Snyder did say never. Was that when, what's called? No, it was it was it was, um, it was a few years after that. Yeah. Um, so uh, a few things that happened between twenty happened between twenty fourteen and now. Um, mm. One of the things was there was a Supreme Court case um, involving a rock group out of um, uh, the Upper Northwest, uh, made up of of Asian guys who wanted to call themselves the Slants, which is a slur. Yeah. And in order to get that trademarked, um, they had to fight a, a regulation, a law, which said that 
a disparaging name cannot be trademarked. Um, at any rate, the Supreme Court ruled in their favor that they could, in fact, use the name even though it was disparaging. Right. And so with that, um, uh, some more pressure that was on the team to change the name was a little bit relieved. And mm. someone asked, someone at USA Today asked Dan Snyder, the owner of the team, about changing the name. And that's when he said, okay. never. And you can put that in, put that in all caps. Um, but what he didn't realize or maybe didn't recognize at the time, um, purposely or because he really didn't know, didn't pay attention, was that the, the, the franchise um, and the use of that name had really suffered some fissures um, over the years from all of the protest work that had been done previously by people like Suzanne Harjo. Um, some law decisions that had been made in the early 1990s. Um, and just the fact that a lot of high schools and colleges around the country, which had employed such a name, had slowly but surely gotten rid of those names. But the last one and the most egregious one remained standing was this, this Washington football team. Yeah. I mean, yeah. go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say the other thing that Dan Schneider did was he created so, supposedly a foundation to help Native Americans, which we now know he really didn't give any money. And more importantly, there was a so-called study that was done among Native Americans saying that they weren't offended with the name, um, which has been discredited by several sociologists and psychologists. We're, we already have some testimony and we'll have more. But not only did they say that that study was bogus results, but that there's a real detrimental effect of having that kind of racial slurred name for a major football team yeah. in the nation's capital, uh, especially on young Native American youth. Yeah. Um, and you know we're gonna, and we even have uh, Kenneth Glover, who's now the head of the museum, saying, you know, I grew up in Washington. His parents moved him here. They were working uh, for a Native American organization, and he said, not once did I hear, you know, I kept on hearing that name, and there was nothing positive about being Indian, you know, Native American, and the news. I mean, you, you just see the pain on his face. And, I mean, I know we have our uh, Congresswoman Norton saying it would be like having the N-word being said. Yeah. And for me, it would be like the K-word. As a matter of fact, one reason I really liked working on this film was I've always done uh, Jewish heroes, unknown Jewish heroes. And to me, this is an anti-Jewish hero that has been mm. held accountable finally. And I'm really happy for that. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, Viva, that you raised a point. I mean, um, the, um, I mean, why has it taken so long? Because um, as you point out, I mean, I hate... I can't be the only kid who played the offensive name game. And we used to, I mean, I remember even in college, people sitting around saying, can you imagine that, you know, and you could think of all the different derogatory names for different ethnic and minority and religious groups you could come up with and you could have the Brooklyn, Brooklyn, this and the whatever. And it just seems so ridiculous. So it's just been staring us in the face for so long, at least, I mean, since the beginning, but certainly the last 50 years or so. Why do you think it's taken so long to get to this point beyond the fact that sponsors are, 
are uh, pulling funds? Well, I mean, it, one of the reasons is because the native community in this country, uh, which was their land, um, have been all but decimated. Yeah. Um, that that took place, you know, centuries ago, five centuries ago. Um, and so when they've been removed from the landscape and their voices have been um, muted through genocide um, and the rest of us have grown up with um, an idea of them that is not true, um, that this struggle is not heard. Um, it is, uh, the volume of it is, for it is not turned up. And even when it is turned up, it is dismissed and, and not taken seriously. I mean, one of the things that attracted me to, to wanting to do this is um, I'm a black son of Washington, D.C., who grew up with this team and mm -hmm. a family that had season tickets to go root for this team mm -hmm. and who fervently rooted for this team um, uh, more so than any any sports team um, uh, in my life. Um, and I never made the connection towards denigration and misappropriation Mm -hmm. of African-American culture to the denigration and misappropriation of Native American culture. The same thing that makes Native folk mad um, makes me angry yeah. when it is something that deals with Black culture. And so um, I started to make that connection. And one of the things I've tried to do, and one of the things I want to do with this film Mm -hmm. is to underscore that for black folks like me, yeah. um, not only in this city who grew up with this, grew up with this team and may still want to cheer it on, but for uh, black folks all across the country to show how disingenuous and hypocritical um, it is for us to do that when we have the same concerns about our culture. Uh, I think, they, I mean, if I may stick with that, uh, Kevin, I think, because uh, I've seen some, um, a, a bit of a more than just the trailer from what you've got mm -hmm. from the film. And I, you mentioned uh, Christine Brennan. I think she alludes to this too. What is it? Because I'm, I'm trying to get an idea of what, why was, why was there this blind spot for so long? Because we've got, um, and for you as an African-American, well, young you know, man, and then as, certainly as a boy rooting for this t the team, um, because, you know, 50 years ago, we had colleges changing the names, Stanford, Dartmouth, all kinds of schools all over the country changed their names. And then there were some holdovers that have, over the last 20 years or so, sure. been changing as well. But, and, and maybe in that context, it's worth, because as someone who has lived in Washington, D.C., maybe getting a feel for what, what this team means for this, well, for the city, but also the community. I mean, for the U.S., I, I should say, generally, because I've... I mean, until I lived in D.C., I didn't really have an appreciation for the sort of rabid fandom that there is for, <laughs> mm -hmm. for the team. Um, sure. I mean, I knew when to go cycling. It was on game day when the, when the team was playing because <laughs> the roads mm -hmm. would be completely empty, you know. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I've revealed that I'm not a fan of the team. But, uh, you know, it's... Uh, uh, I mean, maybe, could you maybe elaborate more on that? Well, I mean, I, I think... I think the things that you pointed out, those are, those are very anecdotal. Um, yeah. 
and they were college. Um, you know, Dartmouth changed its name. Stanford changed its name. Yeah. Um, a couple of other schools here or there, but they were very anecdotal and they weren't um, national issues. Um, mm. This team um, was a national issue. Um, this was the NFL, uh, the largest, most powerful, wealthiest sports league on the planet Earth. So it, it's a little bit different. And, and then not only that, but you're, you know, if you grow up here, you know, you're inundated with this imagery. Um, and you're inundated with it in a way that um, builds up to, to maybe what you're alluding to, builds up city, builds up, builds up pride within your city, mm-hmm. pride within your region. Um, and so you never really think about um, those images. And the other thing is, is that, you know, you're, you're not likely to run into another native person on the street yeah. who will stop you and say to you, that T-shirt you're wearing is offensive to me. Um, uh, that word that you're saying is offensive to me. Uh, this was chocolate city. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it was a native American city. And so, uh, largely because of that, um, there was no, there was no complaint to be heard. Um, certainly not through a megaphone. Okay. If, um, I think, I, I think there's another underlying reason one word, and it's my profession, it's Hollywood. I think Hollywood has done most to mm. um, continue and portray horrible stereotypes of Native Americans through the films, through the TV shows, and a lot of what we're going to be showing visually, you see it a little already in both the trailer and the work in progress, is how this, these stereotypes sort of made it okay that you know, they were mm. less than a people. And that they, you know, I mean, actually, the, the R word really means a scalping. I mean, it, it's just historically, it's, it's offensive. And I think what Kevin says is, is so true. As a matter of fact, even today, there is an article in the last week, there have been three articles, and I read the Washington Post, the New York Times, how because the reservations are so poor and there's not water coming, that the virus has affected them much more than regular like white communities and you know oftentimes without buying power etc it 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 doesn't come out now what's great about the black lives movement is they have also embraced the native american concerns and you know you see the columbus statues coming down or being objected to so it seems like all of a sudden this whole exciting time has opened up the door to say yeah that the names finally change i think more for economic reasons than anything else but there are still five professional teams that we're going to be following because people think our film is over it isn't over i was going to ask you that question and let's hold on to that thought because what i'm going to do is give listeners a, a bit of a break as we do a little uh promo for the uh, our sponsor and then uh, we'll come right back to uh to you all to discuss this uh further so um listeners let's have a break and we'll be back in a in about a minute or so you're listening to factual america subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on facebook instagram or twitter at alamo pictures to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows check out the show notes to learn more about the program our guests and the team behind the production now back to factual america 
Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with Aviva Kempner, award-winning director of such films as The Life and Times of Hank Greenberg and You Who, Mrs. Goldberg, and also with Kevin Blackystone, uh, producer of the film and also award-winning sports columnist. Um, Films Imagining the Indian. Um, Kevin, before the uh, break, we were talking about sort of what's next i mean i was going to ask is job done because obviously what i've seen in terms of the work in progress the trailer focuses on the washington football team uh but uh what is next for this project i guess um uh you could look at it two ways uh washington mm-hmm. still has to choose its name we assume they're not going to stick with the uh, washington football team that just rolls off the tongue and then we're uh also, what's next for for the project? Well, as far as the team, this was the, as I suggested before, this was the most egregious name. Yeah. Um, it was attached to um, one of the most lucrative uh, teams in what is a almost a $20 billion um, sports league, which is the biggest sports league on the planet. Um, so, and then all of us have a connection. Um, Sam and I, are from here. Ben is from here. Aviva um, has been here for eons. Uh, we all have a connection to this city. So that's um, part of the importance of focusing it on this team. And this team has also been the team that has um, come under pressure from the courts, um, has come under pressure with protests on the streets as well. Um, and so th- this is really the, the focal point. However, the idea is also um, that if this domino falls, then all the others will fall along with it. And Mm -hmm. as Aviva suggested, there are other teams within um, pro sports, within the National Football League, Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, um, the National Basketball Association that also have names uh, that are um, cased in, in, in native imagery. And we are fighting against native mascotting in sports, not just native mascotting in Washington, D.C. Okay. I think that's, uh, I, well, that's, I think that's a very good point. And um, I hate to ask, even ask the question of this. but well, I mean, I, I would suggest the viewer, if you really want to see an example of it, catch any Cleveland Indians game which on one hand, they did a very good job of getting rid of Chief Yahoo on the field, mm-hmm. but not of his image on, the, on, the <clears throat> on his uniform. If you look at an Atlanta Braves name, yeah. the tomahawk on the, all the shirts, and they do this insidious tomahawk chop, which again, Gover says, Native Americans don't do that. And we have footage in the past, like when Jane Fonda was married, to Ted Turner, she was doing it, and also Rosalind Carter, um, and that's that's got to change. The Chiefs also, um, the hockey team in Chicago, and they said they're not going to change anything. Uh, in the Indians have been in negotiations in the past, and they are going back into it because there's been a lot of organizing in Cleveland as we mm-hmm. speak. Yeah. And it's something, you know, that we're going to have footage in it. And then uh, the Chiefs that were the, um, the winners of the Super Bowl last yeah. year. And then uh, Kevin can talk about the Warriors. I know less about that. 
Yeah, I think uh, I was, well, I, that was the thing. I had, obviously I could put a mental list. Those were the, the main ones. There's, there's are others of, and we could go down the list. I guess what I was going to ask, and I think I already know the answer, but just, is there any room for exceptions here? Because the reason I get at this is, you know, I, I, obviously Washington is the most egregious, but we do have others, uh, mainly at the collegiate level, I would say, who say, oh, no, it's a special relationship we have with a certain tribe or something like that. But uh, do you really, I mean, or do you see those kind of arguments as just for what they have been in the past, which is just ways of trying to avoid doing anything? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm opposed to, you know, I've come to be opposed to all of these names. Yeah. Um, the uh, the not your mascot, uh, not your mascot um, slogan is so true, yeah. right? People are not owner, people are not property of others. Mm. We're supposed to be past that. And they're certainly not properties of others when it is a culture that is being appropriated. And I know that people like to bring out the Florida State, um, Florida State University, the Seminoles. Right. Um, and you know, that's a, that is an argument that um, people bring out to kind of muddy these waters. Mm. But it doesn't muddy the waters at all for me. Yeah. Um, Seminoles, number one, are a people. Uh, number two, the Seminole Nation is quite large. Um, and it stretches from uh, Florida all the way to Coila, Mexico. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, not all Seminoles... Uh, by the way, happen to agree mm-hmm. um, with the use of their name, image, and likeness um, by Florida State University, even though, yeah. even though um, part of the agreement between the Seminole Nation that cut this deal and Florida State University is to have an educational program at Florida State University, um, which talks about the history of of Native Americans and in particular Seminoles in the state of Florida. Um, but, you know, you can go to, <laughs> you can go get the dictionary. It's this big, <laughs> half, filled with, half filled with nouns. Um, go find something else. Find an inanimate object to name your team. Yeah. Uh, when the WNBA, um, the, the Women's Professional Basketball League, started up some, I don't know, 20 years ago. Right. Um, now, um, uh, one of the things that, they did is they came up with some creative inanimate um, names, yeah. um, the fever, sparks, liberty. Um, <laughs> they got creative and people have embraced those names. They cheer those, those teams on and no one is offended by it. No one. So uh, we need to, we need to continue the effort at erasure um, of Native American names um, um, from these teams. And I'll, I'll, I'll throw one more in there. Um, uh, one name that has been thrown out as a possible replacement is Red Tails, um, yeah. which is problematic from, uh, for a few reasons. Um, the reason it's been thrown out is because Red Tails refers to the Tuskegee Airmen, That's right. which is a segregated um, uh, part of the military um, aviation uh, during World War II. Um, very much celebrated. And I happen to think that that name's been thrown out there and supported in some way by the team because it's seen as some sort of a, some sort of a concession to black fans. 
Like that's mm-hmm. the way it's, it's, it's panders to us. Like we're going to embrace that. But once again, if you want to honor the Tuskegee Airmen who were nicknamed the Red Tails, put a monument from, for them on the, on the mall in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Right. Don't turn them into um, pets on Sunday afternoon um, mascots and have everybody in the stands wearing um, leather aviation helmets like they were part of the Tuskegee, um, the Tuskegee Airmen. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. that's, that, that reduces um, their heroism. Uh, And and the other thing is we need to just needs to be a clean break from any um, allusion to the word red. As Mm. Aviva said, that refers to the scalping of human beings, um, Mm. Native Americans, uh, when they were trying to um, fend off the the military that was uh, decimating them as human beings on this on, on, on this continent. Yeah. Um, so we need a fresh start. It's easy to get a fresh start. And these ne- names need not have any place in sports. Uh, you know, Ben, if he was here, said, I don't want anything with the name Red in it. And, yeah. and my joke is that we're, after a while, the animal rights people are going to start complaining about the names being animals. So my solution is we'll call teams number one team, number two team, number three. <laughs> but seriously, you know, it isn't just the name. When we look at the old footage of the band playing before the game started, it is horrendous how they would have all the people in the band with hairdressers. I mean, these are sacred. It would be like having yarmulke, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, skullcap. I I mean, it's or or priestly. uh, I mean, you just don't do that in that kind of context. And as, as Kevin says, taking away from a culture. Also, the Red Tails, I mean, the Tuskegee Airmen were an incredible unit in the Air Force, and it's actually something depicted um, in a previous film of mine because their airfield was paid by the Rosenwald Fund. But it was a segregated unit because the Army and Air Force, yeah. all the armed forces were yeah. segregated. There's a real stain on that, too, not imposed by the men who were in it. But they had to like show themselves that they could could fight because it was so awful the way they were treated. So you know you you really can't um, have that name either. Mm. I mean, Aviva, I was going to ask you because I think it's important maybe to take a step, not a step back, but just to reemphasize this because you can get. I mean, I myself get uh, just because I'm a bit of a sports geek and a history buff, and <laughs> I like looking at all the the names and what could be the new names and things like that, but. Maybe explain to us, because I don't think we've discussed it yet, is, well, uh, first of all, well, how does mascotting affect Native Americans? And how is this to to really get a feel? Because I think that's something that comes out, at least in the uh, work in progress I've seen. Right. Um, Well, like I said, there's been these studies by the sociologists and psychologists saying that, you know, when they show pictures to young Native Americans, um, and then they see how they're depicted. It, it just really affects the psyche, and especially when you don't hear anything positive. And when you see these caricatures, listen, I've spent 40 years trying to make films against stereotypes against my people, mm-hmm. and I can just bring up a time and time again how that's affected, uh, you know, the psyche of young Jewish kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure uh, Kevin can give you his examples, mm-hmm. you know, to the time that we, we would often hide who we were. You know, mm. because it would, you know, I mean, I can remember being disinvited 
to someone's house for dinner when she found out I was Jewish. I still remember that. And that happened 40 years ago, or maybe even longer. So um, we really, you know, it is a new era. And I think the the best thing is there are so many wonderful names. By the way, Kevin, you should have mentioned the Mystics. We have a a winning basket, female basketball team Mm -hmm. here. I mean, these are beautiful names. And you don't have to have these insidious, insulting costumes. Yeah. I know it's, um, I I mean, it's, as you said, it's the most, Washington, in many ways, if many would say always, the most egregious example, uh, and that domino is well, falling. Um, and, but, and Kevin, uh, I mean, Kevin can tell you more because this is before I came here, but the previous owner, Marshall, I mean, they didn't even hire any African-American players. It was a straight racist yeah. policy not to hire any players. And that's why his statue, just we, we captured that uh, on film, and that's why his statue... Um, they, uh, they, I don't know. They paint a paint, put red paint on it. Yeah, they, ironically yeah, enough, topple it. Yep. Yeah. So there's a double whammy in terms of racism and football here. I also think it's too violent a sport, but that's a whole other just. Dis- well, that's a, that's another discussion we can uh, we can or we can have later in this in this podcast. <laughs> no, no, but okay. uh, um, but uh, I think. Uh, I, you know, I mean, and even me personally, I, I, in some ways, I always found Cleveland the most, in in many ways, as long as that logo was there, I, I yeah. found that as one of the most egregious because I, I couldn't believe it lasted for as long as it, as long as it did. Um, but I mean, you've already, we've kind of already touched on this. So what is this? So what I've seen, very uh, Washington focused, but uh, what is this? How do you envisage this film now evolving? in the next uh, COVID-19 and everything permitting, how is this going, how is this project going to evolve? Uh, both of you, uh, Eviva, maybe you, you, you can start. Well, um, look, we're going to follow these five professional teams. Mm. I don't think it's all going to happen this year, but I think there'll be, I think Cleveland first and I think Atlanta, and you know what happened with Atlanta? It's fascinating. Atlanta was playing St. Louis. Of course they didn't make it to the end for the pennant. Yeah. our, our uh, uh, nationals did, but it, it was a Cherokee pitcher, Ryan Hensley, who said, I'm not going to go pitch in Atlanta if they're going to do this chop. It is offensive to me of being a member of the Cherokee Nation. So mm-hmm. finally, when you have some Native players, they're saying something. And I think that's really, you know, that's the beginning. So I think that's going to really change in terms of that. And you see a movement um, happening all around the country in terms of high schools and colleges. And I think this is what's, you know, the Black Lives Matter um, uh, focus and, um, you know, protests will be brought back on these kind of cases too. I think we're finally going to examine, finally are examining in our own society these kind of racist, even practices in, uh, in sports is not acceptable. Um, yeah. One of the things that we did not envision when we started this film was the fact that the Black Lives Matter movement would erupt right. and wind up um, uh, toppling um, George Preston Marshall's statue right. uh, and wind up uh, putting pressure to bear on corporate sponsors mm. who then put pressure to bear on the team to drop the offensive name. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, and it's, it's really been dynamic, but there's an important connection there. And the, the connection is 
is that the Black Lives Matter movement um, took on in the wake of George Floyd's murder by police, um, took on the issue of police lethality against black men, took on the uh, the the issue of of white supremacy um, and took on the idea of erasing all of this imagery um, from our society, um, putting it away where it belongs to be, if it belongs to be any place. And that goes right to toppling statues of Christopher Columbus. And why is that important? Because Christopher Columbus um, accidentally um, seeded racism uh, in this country and invited uh, the genocide which uh, befell Native Americans in this country. And so here we are in 2020, still with the nickname, a slur Mm -hmm. for Native Americans, um, and the Black Lives Matter movement is finally putting that to rest. And there's been a long history of Black people and Native Americans in this country. Um, in fact, I mentioned the Seminoles earlier. There's right, a there is. Uh, there's a, a large number of um, of uh, the progeny of enslaved Africans within mm. the Seminole Nation um, that fought with the Seminoles in Florida and all across the southern United States into um, into Mexico. Um, there was a, a black civil rights worker who disappeared uh, at Wounded Knee. Um, uh, who was there in solidarity with 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 those folks, and now Native folks are tied up with the Black Lives Matter movement because they realize that that movement um, to uh, to reckon with racial injustice in this country is also a part of their movement. So there's a lot of connective tissue between Black people in this country and Native American people in this country, and always has been. Another thing that we're really proud of, uh, thanks to Ben, is that we have one of the California tribes, Yoshidi, who is our early big supporter. They're one of our, they're our executive producer. And, you know, as much as possible, we're trying to have Native American input in mm-hmm. terms of, especially at the end, uh, my films have always gone on DVD with um, bonus features to be taught and study guides because we really want this to be, you know, an exciting movie in its own right, but also some that has a lot of educational value. Um, and, you know, it's interesting um, what just happened with Gone with the Wind. It was taken off of Turner classic movies, put back on within um, someone, uh, a scholar talking ahead of it saying, that there are scenes in this that just make you cringe and why in the context. Mm. And I'm hoping the same will happen with a lot of these movies. You know, I've been watching them day and night because we want to use bits of them. I mean, it's just some of them, especially the old ones. I mean, you just cringe. And hopefully more Native American filmmakers, especially in the feature realm, will be able to make their films and their stories from their point of view. And, you know, that's the best thing. I mean, not all the movies are going to be thrown out the window, but you have to give a context to it, which we'll have. We already have one scholar, Jolie Pruitt, from California talking about it, and we'll have others too. Okay. And I think, um, I think also in, in the, in the um, 
work in progress. I think there's even, um, oh, it's, it's in the trailer too, I believe. Uh, Christine Brennan the, from USA yeah. Today and formerly the Washington Post when I was there uh, in Washington saying that Generation Z certainly is just not going to, I mean, it may happen even before they're in a position of real power, but uh, uh, it's certainly not going to stand very long because they won't stand for things like this. Right. You know, um, just recently down the street, and I've got a call and find out more about it, they opened a tobacco store. And what do they have in the window? Some cigar Indians. Yeah. And, you know, people started calling me, so I I just haven't had time lately. Because one thing we're doing is uh, uh, fundraising for the film. It's a 5013, you know, that makes the film. Right. Anyone can go to the website, Imagining the Indians, and get your tax deduction to help... uh, finish this film, but seriously, you know, there's still these hangovers that you, you think it, it's been out the window and, and it hasn't. Mm. And, and with, uh, so what is the, uh, how does this look in terms of, uh, I guess filming probably had to stop because of uh, the coronavirus, the pandemic, but. but it's uh, called you- Zoom filming. There's all these new techniques being developed. And then, you know, Ben is in California. so That really helps us. He'll, the remaining shoots there we'll do them here we have a former uh, washington football team player that is has agreed to be in the film and kevin will do that um it's the other cities you will just have to find filmmakers there or camera people that'll that do it for us um and we want very much because it's so much in the news and so contemporary to have it done by the end of the year our editors coming back on and I'm not sure when and if Sundance will happen. I mean, it may not happen at the end of January. The biggest reason to um, premiere at Sundance is, and I was there uh, this past January, yeah. is they go out of their way. There's a whole Native American unit there. They okay. introduce every film, no matter what the topic is, saying, you know, what tribe had used to be on that land. There's a real sensitivity, unlike any other festival in the country. Although we are showing the work in progress in several festivals all over the country. Okay. Um, so hopefully by the end of the year with a release or a premiere at Sundance virtually or however it's done, is that, that's the plan. That's the plan. Okay. Um, so, um, well, if, if we haven't scared you off, we'd love to have you back on. Maybe we can get Ben on then. Uh, his, his, ben. uh, his technical issues will be dealt with uh, by then. Um, I, I think, go ahead. I have a question for you because yeah. uh, we sent a press release when our website was out. And as, as a matter of fact, I think I got, we got more interviews than as when I had a film coming out because it was so hot, as the topic was so hot. Yeah. So we, Ben and I spoke in front of uh, the Hollywood Foreign Press who, who put on um, Golden Globes. Yeah. And there was a lot of interest, especially on those who grew up in Germany, because there was um, some, uh, an author who wrote books about Native Americans and that even films mm-hmm. were made. And even if you see Parasite this past year, this outstanding film from Korea, you have the young boy out in the backyard. I just wonder, is, have you seen anything about that in terms of England? Are there any teams uh, named after Native Americans? I was just curious if, if that has extended to the British Empire. Yes, well, no, I think, uh, and thanks for turning it around and asking me a question. That doesn't happen very often, but it is appreciated. Um, I can tell you, uh, the f- 
so we're uh, we're produced by a new production company called Alamo uh, Pictures. Uh, the founder is German. Uh, we've had uh, German filmmakers on previously who've done film a film about uh, modern American cowboys. There is a certainly uh, there's certainly a interest that I don't know the roots of it. You may be getting to it. You may have read those storybooks. They've read those storybooks. They have a keen interest in the American West. Okay. Now I, I'm not acquainted with those storybooks, so I don't know, you know, how Native Americans are depicted. Let's put it that way. But I do know that it has. Uh, there's a keen interest in Europe in general. I mean, I remember when I first moved to this country, uh, my wife and I were had to go to a wedding in in Alaska, and almost the entire long way there was an Ita- Italian family, and they um, and they were just you know, they were going to see the great wild west. I mean, there is this sort of obsession because you don't have, I mean, yes, you have soaring vistas and things like that in, in Europe, but there's something about that you don't, you don't have what you have in the West, certainly in, in Europe. Uh, in terms of teams, um, I am aware of a English rugby team that uh, uses this sort of uh, imagery, um, rugby union, not that you know that it, care or anyone cares about the difference between rugby union and rugby league but it's a rugby union team i don't know uh, the teams well enough to tell you which one that is i think it might be exeter um do some research yeah yeah i think uh, i'm aware of um well there's a f- there's a soccer team in south africa that's got a similar uh, imagery or used to i don't know if they still do only reason i know about that is uh, i'm here in leeds uh, which is the home of a group called the kaiser chiefs and they are named after that uh, uh, soccer team oh right there yeah, yeah. so um uh, but that's a leeds based uh, band um i i think you i i don't doubt that there are the odd um, I don't mean it that way, but you know the, the you know the there will be one or two teams here and there in European uh, sports leagues that have some sort of um, uh, imagery, or even not just Native American, but even to uh, sort of uh, possibly even uh, African American kind of um, stereotypes. Yeah, and, that's, and things like and that's that. one of the and that's one of the problems. I mean, sports has done more to normalize um, and commodify. Um, these sorts of nicknames uh, and this sort of imagery uh, than, than anything else uh, in society um, to the point where people, uh, people in Europe um, would adopt these names uh, because they have no clue as to what the history is, um, mm-hmm. but see that as this part of Americana that, that they want to embrace. And the team you're talking about in um, South Africa um, I believe is in Cape Town, yeah. um, and that's the uh, that's the Chiefs there, yeah. um, which they borrowed from the um, uh, from the National Football League and have the colors and the emblem and yeah. and everything. There's even a team in I want to say Scotland that calls themselves the Rebels, um, and their imagery is taken from um, the Confederacy. Um, here in the states, so uh, th- that's why this that's why this is so pernicious, um, because it has uh, removed any edge, any sting. It has diluted these names to something mm-hmm. that people can can embrace and w- without any con- yeah. context to to history. 
and how hurtful um, and damaging it can be. Well, I mean, one thing on this, maybe even bring it full circle. I mean, I've been uh, off and on living in Europe or visiting Europe for, well, at least over 30 years. Um, And um, the one team that it always surprised me when I first started seeing the, um, the, um, whether it was a hat or a shirt or a jacket, but it was, it would be the Washington football team. And I don't know if it's because you've got uh, diplomats who hand out, you know, who, uh, you know, they're all, many of them Washington based, many of them become fans. Um, I mean, it reminds me of an anecdotal story. A friend of, a friend of mine from California actually went to Stanford. He was in, were interning in the state department. He's actually pretty now fairly senior in the state department, but we were both in Washington in the early nineties and he was having some run-ins with a coworker of his and, uh, they said uh, it was a Monday and they said, oh, no, you know, Mike, go easy on the guy. Yeah, it, the, you know, the, the Washington football team lost on Sunday, you know, mm-hmm. that's how that's <laughs> that would even permeate the workplace. I mean, so I don't doubt that, you know, so it would be shocking to be in Moscow or I go in Prague or, and you just see someone walking down the street. I, I see it here. I live in uh, now I live in Yorkshire in England and um, I will see the odd person every now and then with the, uh, the old logo and everything. Uh, more so than I see just about any other NFL team. Um, why that is, I don't know. We can have a whole discussion about that. But it is, it is. I would say, at least it's anecdotal. I mean, I would say it's, it's sort of, it's the fact. That's, that's the one you're most likely to see. And I, I grew up as a you Dallas say Cowboys. More than fan. a Yankees hat. I doubt it. Uh, well, I, in terms of, in terms of the NFL, uh, but in terms of. Yankees hats, although not as common as they used to be. I mean, it's, just after 9-11, Yankees hats were everywhere, okay? Mm-hmm. But uh, that has, I mean, you'll, yeah, you'll still see the odd uh, Yankees hat. Um, more, you know, basketball's becoming ever and ever more popular, so it's going to be increasingly stuff like Lakers hats. Maybe you'll get a Celtics, you know, shirt. or I mean, I even saw a Jawan Howard jersey someone was wearing on the basketball mm-hmm. court the other day, and that just yeah. sh- shocked me, <laughs> you know, but, uh, um, you know, I think, uh, but you're right. It is this, the power, the Amer- American culture, the pa- media and the power it has in this globalized world. And, you know, um, I swear that the Tomahawk chop, I don't remember the Braves having that in the seventies when I was a kid. I think it's just something relatively recent that they got from, I think it emanates from Florida state. Uh, and mm-hmm. Florida State came to prominence in uh, college football, and then people started uh, copying it. Uh, at, at Atlanta, I gather Kansas City does it too. I'm not sure. Um, so, you know, these are these things that are, it's not even so much that they're lo- so long held. I mean, a lot of the issues obviously are, but. You know, what's interesting about Washington is we've had two team changes. When Abe Poland, uh, his widow just died the other day, okay. was running the basketball team, and they were called the Bullets, and he was upset about the high number of murders, both in Washington, and it was very close to Itzhak Rabin, who was assassinated in Israel. Right, right. He just got up and said, I'm going to change the name, yeah. and they became the Wizards. And then when baseball, luckily, was brought back here, the city council, very wisely, because I'm a big voting rights advocate for statehood for D.C., said, 
you can't call it the senators anymore again because we don't have any vote senators in Congress and we don't have votes in Congress. Right. So we're called the Nationals, we're called the Nats. The learners were fine with that and they adjusted to that. So in, and then sometimes we'll see at the state and people with old senators guards. So I say the third is a charm. And in fact, there is a whole history for name changes in Washington. Yeah. And see how I got statehood in the discussion. You managed it well. We got Eleanor, Eleanor Holmes Norton is in this. Uh, yeah. Uh, in this, uh, well, she's currently in the in the film, the work in progress. I think. Uh, um, no, I think you make a good point. I think it's. Uh, I was there when the the team was changed from bullets to wizards. Um, I think it took a while to get the. If we want to get into these sort of geeky things, it took a while to get the uniform and color combination right. And they've kind of they've kind of done both now. Now they've got a halt. They hark back to the old old days, but got the new name and, you know, a whole generation grows up and never even remembers, or it's almost a kind of a a trivia answer to a trivia question that it used to be, uh, be the bullets. Um, And you're right. He did it overnight. Didn't, I don't think he, I don't think he did any sort of marketing studies or anything. He just said, you know, we're going to change it. Um, And, you know, this is possible. The, The Kansas City doesn't have to be the Chiefs anymore, and Atlanta doesn't have to be the Braves. And Cleveland's got an, the easiest of outs. They can just go back to being the Spiders. You know, <laughs> that's what they were, or or the Naps. I don't think that's going to take off. But uh, Spider, oh my God, it's the it's the Spider. I don't know if I want that as the name of a baseball team. But. Well, it, it, there's precedence. They were the Cleveland Spiders for a few years, way way back when. Um, but once all these names change, you get you back on. We can discuss whether we think these are good names, whether they've how they how they've done. Um, I'm ha- have to say that I think we're coming to the end of our time together. Um, it's been a th- very interesting discussion. I want to want to thank you so much. I mean, you've already mentioned the website uh, for the project. We'll put that in the show notes. Other ways that we can follow the two of you and find out what's next. Well, we have a very active tweet and. Facebook and uh, uh, Kevin keeps up all the news on it. So, um, you know, again, you know, if you, if you have any, and are you going to be visiting the States anytime sooner, I guess when things open up, right? Yeah, it's going to be, uh, yes, I'm not even, I I was there in March, actually. I was in, I was in Texas when the, uh, when the uh, ban was put in place on, on European travel to the the U S but, uh, uh, I did manage to get back, obviously, and I'm not sure when I'll next get back to the U.S., uh, given how things are going at the moment. But, uh, yes, I'm hoping. I always try to get back as, as often as I can. Right. And please, Sebastian, ask, is it Sebastian, if he, as a young yeah. boy, read these books? Because it came up with this Hans, and I had never heard of it. He said they even filmed movies based on these German books about Indians and they filmed them in Yugoslavia because I guess wow. there's <laughs> that sounds... like frontiers there which you is... know uh, Aviva I think you've got another doc on your hands that would be an interesting <laughs> could be an interesting uh, story or or short at least um, um, uh, on another subject did you see Traders Trader on a uh, six-part series I just watched it this past weekend because I made the Moberg film about an OSS person, and this is about an OSS operative who gets a. They were the OSS or the Americans were worried that when the labor won after the end of the war, mm. that there'd be Soviet influence. So they were trying to find out 
what was being done internally. It's a good series. Oh, well, thanks for the recommendation. No, I haven't seen it. Um, but that sounds very interesting. Um, I just want to know if there's a second season. Okay. <laughs> We're going, well, that's, I'm, I mean, that's the thing about documentaries we've been discussing on this program and just amongst ourselves is, uh, you know, the cultural moments we used to get with like broadcast television and, and certainly sports creates a lot of those things, but are happening now in the factual and documentary world. You know, I mean, a number of people who, who talk about uh, the last dance here is, is absolutely amazing. I mean, people who couldn't care less about basketball, everyone's talking about it over here. Um, and actually, this will be released. Your, your, this episode is going to be released uh, just after we had the British filmmakers, actually, who've done the uh, uh, doc on Air Jordans. Uh, which is uh, coming out. Uh, it was supposed to premiere at, at South by Southwest, but that got canceled. But uh, again, uh, you've got these, uh, well, it's all generations, but you've got these young up-and-coming filmmakers who are doing some very, you know, very interesting things, asking questions, telling stories. We thought all, some of us, wrongly, had thought all the stories had been told. No, there's so many stories still to be told and from new and interesting perspectives. And I think that's really what's exciting right now in terms of... There's uh, red penguins. Do you know about that? Sorry? Well, yeah. I'm going to watch it this weekend with my brother. Okay. Um, you know, it's a, I think it's a golden age. It's not just because a few docs are making loads of money, although I know yours have done okay, done all right for themselves, uh, Aviva. Um, I think, um, you know, I think there's... it's. It, the industry is really opening up to more and more people. And I think it's, uh, um, we've had some very interesting discussions. I, I like to think on this, on this podcast, looking at things from a very new angle and you've got uh, filmmakers of color and uh, female filmmaker, filmmakers who are looking at things maybe differently than uh, many of us would have been looking at them, you know, just a few years ago. So I think it's a, um, it's a very exciting time. Um, One final question. Uh, do you still vote absentee in the States or no? I do. I vote in the state of Massachusetts because that's where I last lived. Okay, so I... Marky Biden, okay? <laughs> okay. Very important to elect Marky. He's great on the environment. He's in my Moberg film, really important. Okay. Even, um, though, even though I worked for RFK in 68, I don't think his grandson should be doing this and then i don't need to say why the vote for biden okay well uh i'll leave it at that um i um but thanks for the uh thanks for the tip um yeah, hey want if if i may thank you um i i do hate to wrap it up but uh, i just want to thank you aviva kempner the director and uh, kevin blackstone the producer uh, and co-producer, along with uh, Aviva, of Imagining the Indian. And hopefully next time we can get uh, Ben West on, who couldn't be with us today. Um, and you all should read Kevin's columns. Kevin, is there a link to your columns? His weekly yeah, columns, yeah, columns are great. Yeah. It'll pop right up. Yeah, no, we'll put it on. I mean, uh, I didn't even mention Around the Horn. I haven't done any of that stuff. We haven't... Uh, walk down what would be a bit of a memory lane for, for me, but mm -hmm. uh, I think we, uh, uh, rightfully so, I think wanted to really focus in on, the, on this subject, which I think is um, not just timely, but one that needed is long overdue to, mm -hmm. 
for being yep. discussed. So uh, thanks again to both of you for coming on. Uh, I want to give a shout out to This Is Distorted Studios here in Leeds, England. And to remind you to like us and share us with your friends and family wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. Uh, this is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Almo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.